Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by super nutritious, super delicious Aloha Protein Powder. Get through the holiday rush with a rush of pure, energizing plant-based protein. Choose from chocolate or vanilla blends for 18 delicious grams of protein power built from the very best whole food ingredients. Enter promo code ALOHA20 on aloha.com to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through December 31st, 2015. This episode is also brought to you by Thrive Market. Here at Nomad Athlete, we care about what we put in our bodies, but as anyone who favors whole organic foods knows, good food can get expensive. Enter Thrive Market, an online shopping club offering the best brands and groceries for up to 50% off retail price and shipped all over the United States for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash athlete to start your free two-month trial and get 15% off your first order. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone, and welcome to No Meat Athlete Radio, episode 117. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay. Doug, are you as excited as I am today? I am excited, but I don't know why you're so excited. <laughs> the reason I'm excited, Doug, is because a trusted confidant of mine listened Ooh. to uh, our Thanksgiving episode, which I thought was a good, bright, chipper, fun episode. Yep. And she told me that I sounded even more flat than usual on it. Oh. That, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I, I think what it was, I don't know. I mean, I think I try to have the, the kind of dry sense of humor of someone who doesn't get too amused by anything. <laughs> and uh, I think sometimes it works. But I think that combined with the fact that that one was a pretty early start. I don't know if it was 9.30 or what time we, mm. we did that. Uh, but I think I think I, I have maybe slipped into that, um, that character a little bit too much, the, the guy who's not excited. So I'm excited for now on. Every episode we do, as long as we do them after noon. <laughs> yeah, and as long as you're not well, actually here in my house, and then we can be separated by Skype like this. Yeah, well, so is why I bring you down. I don't get you excited; just my presence doesn't get you excited. Well, you had that rash thing you were still bringing around, <laughs> yeah. which we still have to do an episode about. Uh, I know. I think people which, are curious about that because we kind of I'm mentioned sure they it, are. and then never really, uh, never got into it. Yes. So even the people who are redesigning uh, the Nomad Athlete website emailed me and said something like, "What's this about crotch fire?" <laughs> no. no, they did not. They, really? they did. I guess they listened to the podcast. So, hi, if you're listening, Rainmaker Creative out of Spokane, Washington. <laughs> nice little shout out there. I guess, speaking of shout outs, uh, that same episode where you were dry, did you know that we inspired a real live drinking game from that episode? <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> uh, was that the same person who actually made your concoction? Yeah, they okay. made the, the punch. Uh-huh. And then um, her name is Lori. Uh, she made the punch and then had a drinking game of every time somebody gave her a hard time about being vegan, she would drink. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was pretty funny. I liked that. That is. I'm glad that we have people who are actually doing the, the things that we say. I'm so, surprised, but we're glad. Yeah. Lori, we, we thank you for doing that. <laughs> yes, we absolutely do. Okay. So uh, on a more, well, not that much more serious, but on, on to the business of this podcast. Uh, we have an interview today with Karen Ramsey, who is the author of a few books, one of which I own. Uh, Creating Healthy Children is probably her best-known book. T. Colin Campbell actually wrote a really nice uh, blurb about it. 
So check that out. Uh, but our episode is all about children and how do you feed them? Not not so much like what is the proper nutrition for children because I mean it. I don't know honestly. I don't think it differs all that much from the the proper nutrition for adults. I think there's there's more of a, a need to to keep kind of pumping them full of calories. And when they're very young, yes, there there are different things to worry about. But um, I mean, mostly it's about eating good, healthy, whole foods. And what we talk about really is not so much what what to give them, uh, but but more how do you get them to eat that way, and how do you as a parent feel good and confident that you're doing the right thing for your kids? Because one thing that we mentioned in the episode is, you know, the decision to to change the way you eat or or just even if it's not a change at this point, but to eat in a way that is outside of what most people consider normal. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to do it for yourself, but I'm, Doug, you can even probably relate, even not being a parent yet. Uh, once you have kids, it's kind of like making that decision for them and, and being the one who, whose job it is to make that choice. That, to me, is like a, a harder... I feel like that one needs to pass a, a more difficult test you know, than, than my own nutrition. I, I'm willing to sure. make a mistake on my, and feel like, okay, I messed up and I need to fix that. Uh, or deal with the consequences. With the kids, it's like, if I'm making the choice for them, I need to, to be absolutely sure that it's the right thing. So uh, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And just, you know, we're just when, when you're doing something that isn't considered normal, there there's a lot of thoughts that can kind of creep into your head that maybe you're not doing the right thing for your kids. So, And, and I think the other part of that is is worrying that the kids will, you know, and this is silly, but but feel out like an outcast or miss out on something because because um, of your... The diet that you have chosen for them. Yeah, and that right, that's an entirely different issue of whether or not you've chosen the healthiest diet for them. Right. Um, and yeah, and I, I've talked about it somewhat on the podcast a little bit here and there, but I do get it. People ask me it a lot, and they nearly every interview I do where I mention my kids, the next question is, are your kids actually, are they also vegan? Mm-hmm. And uh, just for those who don't know, the answer is, Yes, they are because the food in our house is only vegan. We don't have anything in here that in our house that that is animal products in it. Um, but it's really important to us that that the kids don't feel forced into this. So we talk about the reasons why we do it, um, you know, and and they are totally on board with that. We talk about the health stuff, we, a lot about the animals because that you know they they really they get that part. Uh, some a little bit about the environment, Doug, which I think would make you happy as the environmentalist of the mm-hmm. show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, or, when, or when Uncle Doug comes over, he, he gets, gives the environmental talk to the kids. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, but we let them make their own choices out. So if it's like a, a baseball game, my son's baseball game, and afterwards the snack that is brought is, I don't know, goldfish crackers, right? Because first of all, that's, that's sort of processed junky food. Second of all, it's not vegan. Um, but if he's, if he's in, just really wants it, and it's, it's clear that he's going to be upset if he doesn't get to have that, then we're like, okay, eat eat two or three of those goldfish and try it and see how you like it. And usually that's enough for him, and we have always a backup snack there that is vegan that we kind of bring in the car um, to give, you know, and it might be a little bit, ju- like maybe it's peanut butter crackers or something, something that we don't wouldn't typically use as our main snack. Uh, so it's a little bit of a treat, but it's still vegan. Uh, that's, that's how we do it. We, we let them make their own choices. I don't think either has ever of my children eaten meat, but uh, you know if that if that moment came along, I'm sure it will one day when when they are curious. And, and if so, I would actually encourage them to to experience it, so that then they can, you know, one day hopefully come to this choice on their own uh, or not, or make whatever choice is right for them on their own. So you know, we we want to guide them. Uh, that is uh, that is our role as parents, but we don't want to force them to you know, or just you know. I think really if you, if you force it, 
I feel like you're kind of increasing the chances that they won't do that in the future. Rebel against it, right? Yeah, yeah. so, you know, we're, we're trying to be as, as easygoing about it as possible, and it fits in with the rest of the way that I kind of like to do yeah. this whole diet, so. Yeah, just uh, actually, last week, Katie and I had the conversation. We are, are, are not pregnant, we don't have any kids, but we were just had the conversation, what would our family look like if we were to have a baby soon? Um, about this, about wow. eating. And, uh, and yeah, and so we had that conversation, and you guys came up, and, and we've been around while you've raised your youngest daughter, most mm-hmm. of it, uh, most of the time, and and have really admired how you guys handle that and handle this whole issue. So I think we're, yeah. we're probably going to be along the same lines as you guys are if the, the time Maybe. ever comes. If the time ever comes, good. I look yeah. forward to hearing when it does come. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, like, our, our daughter, who you've, you've seen her really since birth, she eats so much better than our son does because we were i mean we were vegetarian when we had him but Mm -hmm. we we weren't yet into we just didn't quite get the the whole food concept that it was i don't know i mean we we knew so for example we would give him a lot of those garden chicken fingers or or they're not chicken they're whatever they're made out of right um i don't know chick 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 apostrophe n or whatever yeah Yeah. those (laughs) fingers uh but they're breaded and fried and we, I think we just didn't really grasp how, how, I don't know. We just never eat that stuff anymore. We don't eat fried stuff like that. I mean, maybe rarely when we go out. Uh, but then I think we were still not that far removed from being non-vegetarian and eating healthily, but, but like healthily within kind of the, the range that people eat in, in most of our culture, unfortunately. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't that weird that we would give him these fried chicken fi- or whatever they are. <laughs> I wish I knew what they actually were so I could say. I don't think they're soy. Um, so he ate a lot of those uh, and he, he's just been hard. Like he doesn't like beans that much. So whenever we want to give him beans, which we do want to give him beans because that's, you know, we think that's a good food. Uh, we've got to like find some way to sneak it into the food or blend it into the sauce or you know, something different. Whereas our daughter who was, was born after we were vegan and after we were really into this whole food thing, uh, that's all, you know, she'll just eat all day. You saw when you were over my house, she ate a whole can of kidney beans almost. Yeah. Yeah. And she just had this pile of kidney beans in front of her and she just eats it. Uh, so she's, she's a great eater. Our son is a good eater and you know, we're, I'm proud of how he, he makes some really good choices and, but he, he has a harder time with it for sure than she does. He, he does seem to, to be fair, I think he does seem to eat a lot better than most kids. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean so much. Yeah. And that's, that's what I always tell myself. I just think about the way I ate when I was a kid right. and the number of like, blue juices that i would drink out of weird you know plastic <laughs> disposable bottles you'd buy in the store or those uh-huh. ice pop things or sure. yogurts or chocolate milks i mean i just ate so much junk food as a kid and like i think he has had in his life less fewer bowls of junk food cereal than i ate every single day as a kid <laughs> like i ate three <laughs> bowls of cookie crisp a day or, or whatever the cereal of the week was uh-huh and I, he's had that probably twice in his whole life, one of those cereals. Right. Uh, mostly if they eat cereal, which they really don't, it's like the vegan grape nuts, the Ezekiel version of grape nuts or something. Uh, mm-hmm. And when they do, they, when they get it, that's such a huge treat. They love that. So <laughs> I don't know. In some way, I guess I feel like I'm depriving them. But uh, I don't know. I feel like if they don't know better, then they're going to make good choices. So. Yeah. They have their whole lives to, to eat cookie crisp. <laughs> they're going to get to college and their roommate's going to just be chowed down on, on fruity pebbles or something fruity pebbles and like what is that <laughs> yeah, they will. now what's funny though is that our especially our daughter because just because the way we were when we had her uh that we were vegan and, and ate this way more um 
like she doesn't like a lot of the things you would think would be a huge treat for a kid just because I think some of those tastes are so weird if you're not used to them. Right. Uh, like neither of my kids ate much cake on their first birthday because they just didn't really eat cake usually. And even though it was vegan cake, um, and like, I don't know, she's, she's just tried different things and, and like cotton candy, when I gave them cotton candy, that was, that was a foreign odd taste to her. Uh, but I gave her enough of it and then she got into it. So it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't take too much to change them. Yeah. Not when it comes to sugar and salt. No, absolutely not. Okay. So anyway, last thing I want to mention, Doug, on the topic of kids, otherwise completely unrelated is that we went to the Sky Zone Trampoline Park in Greenville, South Carolina last weekend uh, after going to Disney on Ice, which was actually a little bit of a disappointing show because they didn't put Frozen in it and they didn't put uh, Sophia the First in it. And those are the the two things that I was talking up the whole time because my daughter loves those. And they were uh, at the hockey game a few weeks ago. We weren't there, but I got an email that Frozen and Sophia were there promoting this Disney on Ice event. So and now, they weren't in the actual exactly, Disney right event. exactly. What? So I assumed as a as a dad that that meant they were going to be there. Oh uh, man, so I, I bet you let her down so bad. Oh, I I built the hype and it did not deliver. <laughs> but <laughs> did they have a good time? Or was it? Did you have a good? They time? did. Yeah, it was a good time. It was okay. It wasn't a great show. I mean, I expected more from Disney, but they seemed to like it. But the Sky Zone afterwards was awesome. And you went to one, right? You've been to this. Yeah, I celebrated my birthday there a couple of years ago. Not at that particular one, but in D.C. It was, that's what I wanted to do for my birthday, and it was awesome. And I guess if people don't know what it is, it's like this huge gymnasium with trampolines covering the entire floor and then up the walls, right? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it wasn't – to me, it felt more like – you remember that show American Gladiators? Yeah. It felt more like you were in that – studio and it was covered in trampolines then then like a gymnasium because there were all these different sections it was the dodgeball courts and there were three uh-huh. of those there was the basketball area where people were just dunking on basketball hoops the way you you know fantasy world basically right. then there was the big yeah. the big open jump area that was like i don't know 10 by 10 of these rectangular trampolines and people were just flying off the ceiling and everywhere else not off the ceiling off the walls um <laughs> and and they had like a ninja course or something like that. but it was awesome it was just so cool it was so cool, but I'll tell you what, I was in good shape, I had just run an ultramarathon maybe a month before that, and not, I don't know, maybe an hour into it, I was just so exhausted. It was, yeah. It is quite we, a workout. We did it for an hour, and uh, you know, I was thinking, oh, that's not going to be enough, we're going to need three hours, but like after 45 minutes, we were just all like, everybody was <laughs> slowing down, and then we were sore the next day, our feet and our, our backs, uh-huh. and like, it was, it was fun, I don't know. Yeah, so, especially, yeah I, I loved like running across the multiple of them and then jumping off the wall and yeah. I don't know. so so right. fun. It, so was, if you, it was great. Good for any age, definitely. Yes. So if you're not prone to like landing on your neck or something like that, then I would highly recommend doing something like this. Are certain people prone to landing on their neck? Mm, I mean, there are clumsy people who just manage to always hurt. <laughs> <laughs> if that's you, I wouldn't go to this. You have to sign a waiver, but I mean, I can't imagine what kind of legal costs they have. Just, I mean, it just must be every day that somebody breaks their neck. Right. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> every day. <laughs> so anyway, you heard it here. Nomad Athlete is a, is a radio is a fan of Sky Zone Trampoline Park. Maybe they'll be our next sponsor. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> All right. You know, and <laughs> it's kind of funny because we've talked a lot about trampolines over on this podcast. We've talked about rebounders. Right. This this was not a room full of rebounders. <laughs> This is real, like, Olympic-style rectangular trampolines. Yeah. But I'm sure Sid Garza-Hillman would have been thrilled at, at the cellular stimulation that we got by jumping up and down <laughs> trampolines. 
Okay. All right. That's enough fooling around. Let's get the yeah. interview. Uh, Karen Ramsey, Woodstock Fruit Festival. By the way, if you want to go in 2016, use the code NOMEATATHLETE when you register. I don't know for sure if we're going to be there or not. I'm really hoping. It was awesome time for our kids especially, uh, but us too. So I don't know for sure that we'll be there, but if you're thinking of going, do it. It's really fun. Karen will be there. I know that for a fact. And uh, I'm still hoping to get Michael Arnstein, who's the founder and known as The Fruitarium, get him on the podcast pretty soon. All right. Enjoy the interview, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Hey, it's Matt, and today I'm speaking with Karen Ranzi, who's the author of several books, including Creating Healthy Children, uh, as well as Raw Vegan Recipe Fun for Families, which I myself actually own, having purchased it at the Woodstock Fruit Festival back in 2014. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking with you, Matt. I love the wonderful work you're doing. Uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you as well because uh, we really haven't had, I realized, uh, an episode of No Meat Athlete Radio that's about raising kids. I mean, I've talked about mine some, uh, mostly horror stories that I tell now and then <laughs> from the, the trouble that we get into. Um, <laughs> but I think people will appreciate, at least the parents or the, the people who could see themselves being parents soon in the future, uh, will appreciate uh, hearing an expert talk about this sort of thing, someone who's thought about this a whole lot, uh, someone who herself eats a raw vegan diet, not just vegan like many of our listeners, but actually raw. Um, is that is that accurate, Karen? Is that, do you actually eat that all the time, or is that yes, just something you incorporate? I, I do, and um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story in a little while, but um, my son healed from very severe asthma back in 1994 through... Uh, green juicing and raw vegan foods and it just was so dramatic it really spoke to me and since that time I have been on a fully raw vegan diet and I just love it Um, very occasionally maybe last year I had like two little bowls of steamed broccoli Um, during the winter time. Wow. So I still think I'm considered. <laughs> a yeah, little I, think, I think you get a pass so, for that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I love it. I'm not really attracted to other foods. I feel like I have great variety in my diet. Neat. That's, that's really interesting. And I've, I've fooled around with raw diets a little bit. I uh, have not made one last for, for the long haul, but I really am fascinated by it and have, have loved uh, the time I spent at the fruit festival. And I'm hoping to be back in 2016 when I know you will also be there. Um, yeah, so I'll be speaking. I'll be doing probably six or seven different talks on different topics. Wow, good. So, um, you know, I, I did want to give that bit of background that you are raw, but I think what we're going to talk about with raising healthy kids and I mean around eating really can probably mostly be applied to just about anyone who's trying to get their kids to eat healthily, uh, particularly those who are doing it in a plant-based fashion. Um, but even for those who aren't, I, I imagine some of the advice here is still going to apply. So it's nice to have someone. Um, you know, who's doing something extreme is not the right word, but, but as, as far down the continuum as raw vegan is so that someone who's, yeah. who's vegan, but not raw can let's do it and say, you know, so if they're tempted to say, well, that's not realistic, I can't make that work. You know, here's someone who's doing it further down the continuum and making it work. So I think that's, that's great. Exactly. And you know, it's not always about going a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have a program where I work with people and I take them on whatever path they're on. I don't push people to go 100%. I think somebody can be very healthy um, as a vegan 
eating a lot of raw food, not necessarily a totally 100% raw food diet, but, um, but very high in raw living plant foods and still having some of the whole cooked plant foods. And that can be very healthy. And it's not only about food. Health is not only about food. And um, I, I think you clearly know that. I mean, exercise is crucial and sleep and at positive attitudes, stress. I mean, there's so many things that make up a healthy lifestyle. And I think food is, is important, but it's not the only one. So um, right. it's not, it doesn't have to be a 100% raw deal um, or nothing. So I uh, believe that people should go on the path that they're on and just add more raw food from where they are. Yeah, I like that. And I agree. And I think, I mean, I think almost everyone would agree that that almost everyone can do better by eating more raw food than they are currently eating in most situations. Just because it's, it's easy to eat cooked food all the time, it's not that easy to eat raw food unless you're actually trying to. And then, I mean, I'm not saying it's hard because once you do try, it's not all that hard. But the default for most people is to not eat raw. So it's not like we need to make sure we get the cooked vegetables. It's more like we need to make sure we get the raw vegetables in there. That's right. I mean, I do believe it's really, really important to get those raw vegetables in there. Sure. Because I, I know that we have even more nutrition when we do um, in most cases. And so I, I think that we have to focus on that. But I, I think that we also need to have an understanding that not all raw foods that are called raw are, number one, really raw. Because there are things in raw food recipe books that are termed raw and are not really raw. And there are some things that are actually harmful that are called raw and um, so, you know, people what are some examples of those things? I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't know of either one of those. What What would you say are examples of each one? Well, for example, something like raw agave, which is in a lot of sweet desserts, um, is really no better than high fructose corn syrup. So, you know, we can make a raw dessert with whole plant foods and use something like dried fruit, which is a whole food. Um, instead of using um, a, a processed food like mm -hmm. agave. And so the, there's processed foods that are called raw when actually they're not really raw and they're not healthy either. So I think people coming into the raw food lifestyle can get a little confused if they don't have the right information. Gotcha. Okay, so let's shift to kids here, and again, to, to apply to people whether you're raw or, or not even interested in that, but just want to eat more, or get your kids at least to eat more uh, raw fruits and vegetables or fruits and vegetables in general. So I guess the very first place to start with this is, is why is it so important? I mean, I think, I think most people listening to this recognize that, that it is, and that there's a problem with the way uh, not just most kids eat, but most of, of our culture eats, unfortunately. Um, but, but just from your perspective, what, what about this is so urgently important? Like, you know, why, why do we need to put this much effort forth to make sure that our kids eat well? Right. Well, certainly we want to get as much fiber into their diets and our diets as possible. And eating the food fresh, it has the highest amount of fiber. So I believe that is really one of the most important values of eating, um, raw living plant foods whole the way that they are mm -hmm. um, and then in addition to that there's the nutrient density um, a lot of research over the last decade has been showing that somewhere between 35 and 85 percent of the nutritional value of the food is lost depending on how long you cook 
and how high you cook. And so, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. If you're going to cook, you know, if you're going to overcook your food, um, you know, I remember my mother, she used to cook the broccoli until it turned yellow. And, you know, obviously that's not going to have the same amount of nutrition as if she cooked it at a lower temperature, cooked it for not so long. Um, I find broccoli as one uh, vegetable is a little difficult to eat raw, um, but I make a pate with it sometimes and I will ground it down into a, um, into a really delicious pate with, um, with cauliflower and some raw tahini and some herbs and lemon and scallion and it's really tasty and I don't seem to have any problems digesting it. So, um, so that's, you know, one thing and I'm not, I'm talking about broccoli here, but you know, most fruits and vegetables are easy to digest raw. And, uh, and so that's, you know, one of the other keys is digestion. Fruit is the simplest to digest if it's ripe. And so if it's ripe, it's going to go very quickly into the stomach, into the intestines, and then be absorbed or be excreted. And so digestion is another key element of why to eat more raw food. Um, I've worked with many people who have severe digestive issues, and after I get them over to eating a diet that's high in raw living plant foods, their digestion changes. I mean, I've worked with people with Crohn's, and colitis and, you know, all kinds of severe digestive difficulties. And they can really be um, alleviated quite quickly uh-huh. by changing to this more healthy, um, high-nutrient, high-fiber, vi- high easily digested food. Good, so good. Those, those are some of the keys. Okay, so I can see some people listening to this saying – almost seeming like it's thinking that it's splitting hair. And I think they, they'll understand that it, that for their own nutrition makes sense, that, that the, the the raw vegetables in general are going to give us higher amounts of nutrients than they will in the cooked form because the cooking, uh, I mean, it's a fact, destroys some of the nutrients in there. But I could see some people who, who would be thinking, wait a minute, I can't get my kids to eat, I mean, you know, not even mentioning vegetables. I can't even get my kids to eat fruit because all they want is junk food. Um, or someone saying that, you know, yes, I, I, if I can get my kids to eat vegetables, I'm going to leave it at that. That's a win. I'm not concerned about going further with this and actually getting them to eat the raw vegetables, uh, which, though, from my experience, is not that much harder. In fact, often my kids like the raw vegetables better than the cooked ones. Uh, maybe just the texture is crunchier and better. So so kind of shifting to that, then, how do you get the kids to eat this? I mean, it, it, it's kind of hard enough for an adult to just make this transition, right? Just go from eating cooked to eating raw. How do you get kids to do it? Well, Kids do like their sweet junk food, and so they also like fruit. Kids very often will come to this raw food through fruit. And so um, many years ago, uh, Harvey and Marilyn Diamond's book, um, Fit for Life, one of their main uh, goals in that book was to get people to understand that we, we should start with fruit for breakfast. And uh, so I always say, you know, start with um, with a morning meal, getting in fruit. There's so many delicious ways to eat fruit. You can eat them whole, just the way they are. You can make fruit smoothies, green smoothies, um, juices. There's so many ways to get in fruit. And then with them, uh, getting in vegetables as well. Um, and also changing kids' 
um, junk food, processed food snacks into fruit snacks. It's not really very difficult to do that when the focus is on fruit, which is sweet and delicious. Mm -hmm. And also taking them to the store with you. Um, I used to say to my kids when we went to a farmer's market or a health food store or the produce section in a supermarket, I would say to them, get me um, a different fruit and vegetable for every color of the rainbow. Oh, and that's that way nice. they understood that all of the different colors provide us with the nutrition that we need because we're getting different nutrition in the dark um, the reds and the purples, like the berries, and the yellow and orange, and the green. I mean, there's all different nutrition in the fruits and the vegetables. And so kids suck up the information very quickly. And if you're involving them in your life and bringing them to places where they can, uh, where they can see how these foods are grown, uh, many children are not exposed. So they only have a very small view of what's available by, you know, processed foods that their parents are bringing home. And I often recommend to families to get involved with a local organic farmer to go and volunteer as a family and get your feet in the soil and planting. Um, go out in nature, go hiking, go foraging. Um, in, the, in the warmer season is a great time to go berry picking. There's so many ways that we can get our kids to see that we're meant to be eating natural foods. And if we want our kids to eat naturally, we also have to be modeling it ourselves. We cannot be home eating potato chips and Twinkies and expecting that our kids are going to want to eat healthy fruits and vegetables. So that, again, is really key. But we have to start somewhere. And so I always recommend starting with eating delicious fruit, and um, and then kids like smoothies, so you can start yep. with um, you know having smoothies and shakes, and then gradually adding green to it, so that we get those mineral-rich leafy greens in. It's a great way to get the leafy greens in if kids don't eat salads. Good, yeah. I mean, that's those are great tips. Completely agree with the smoothie thing. We do that pretty much every morning with our kids. And uh, and they I mean, they get really excited about making the smoothie and just having it and then celebrating that they have it. I mean, they, they just love it. Uh, and you can do it with, I mean, most people don't really get this, but you can do that with just fruit. You don't need to add nuts. You don't need to add powders. You don't need anything. I mean, you can just put fruit in there and you can put some spinach leaves or some other leaves and usually you can't even taste those. Um, yeah. So it, that's a great tip. And I, I also totally agree with, with kind of the more upstream you can start to involve the kids in the process, the better. Um so yeah, great tip. What about what about more at the downstream level? And I apologize right now for my own healthy child who you can probably hear in the background. <laughs> um, but uh, what about like when it not you know assuming the shopping is done and we are at home and it's time and you want the kids to eat fruit but they're used to eating snacks. What what like in the moment tips do you have if any? Um, you know for for just making that transition when it comes to actually time to put the food in their mouth. Is there are there ways? I mean, do you do you gradually wean them off the junk food? Is it a just a sudden switch to fruit, or how do you work that? Um, you know, I start in my own home by not having um, processed junk available. Um, you know, if they do eat it outside of the house, there's not much you can do about it, and just you know, take a deep breath. And if your child gets sick, 
which kids do. Um, it's an opportunity for a loving conversation if your child is open to that. Or just even pointing it out that that might be why the child isn't feeling well. Um, but having healthy food available at home is key. And also in your kitchen, hanging up beautiful pictures of the foods that you cherish, whole plant foods. Um, I have in my kitchen beautiful pictures of fruit and vegetables so that when people come into the room where we often congregate, that's what they're seeing. Um, I also, um, for many years while my kids were growing up, we planted a garden. And I had them outside um, planting all the time. And they would sometimes eat a whole meal in the garden as we were harvesting our plants. So it's right. just a great way to expose kids. Um, also, I would have them out in nature. We, we do a lot of hiking. And so I, you know, I always recommend to be outdoors. And um, I would sometimes make up scenes for them so that they would understand. Like I might say to them, if we were traveling and we were in the car and you got hungry and we were passing a farm and there was a cow out in the pasture and there was an orchard of apple trees, would you want to run and suck the cow's udder if you were hungry or would you want to grab an apple from the apple tree? And so, of course, my kids told me that they would want an apple. And so I, I really made them understand why we are really meant to eat these whole plant foods. Um, and so I really think that that's a key here. You know, if you have a child who's really having difficulty, you may want to do it more gradually. Um, and right now I'm running a, a juicing for autism study. Um, where my uh, friend and colleague, uh, Stephen Prusak, who is an occupational therapist, and, uh, and me, um, I'm a speech and language therapist in addition to my work in raw food nutrition. And we are exposing families to juicing. And some of these kids have never had a juice and they've never eaten um, much in the way of fruits and vegetables. Um, and as you know, many of these kids can be really finicky eaters. So it's been um, something where we've had to explain that they may want to do it more gradually, starting out with just a small amount of juice. And we're certainly not telling them to totally change their diets and lifestyle. All we're doing is adding one juice every morning to to their diet. Wow. And in so doing, though, without being coercive, without pushing these kids, these families started slowly, and some of these kids are now drinking um, a full 16-ounce green juice in the morning. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it I can mean, be done. I think that, that kind of goes along with what I really like you said about the putting up the pictures in your house. Um, I, thought we, I, got, I was at the Marshall Health Fest, and someone handed me a bracelet with pictures of fruits and vegetables on it. And I was thinking, like, I'm not going to wear this thing. So I brought it home thinking that maybe my wife would want it or something. But it turns out my kids really wanted it. And <laughs> they were upset that I didn't get one for each of them. Uh, wow. It didn't occur to me that they might. And I think it just seems like it kind of becomes a, a source of pride for them, which, yeah. you know, is interesting because I think, I think that is kind of a natural thing. Kids want to be healthy. They want to feel healthy and active and energetic. 
And once they started, once ours started to kind of link that up with, you know, the fact that we eat healthy, you know, they got really proud of it. And I think the fact that they wanted that bracelet so much tells me that, 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 uh, the pictures tip is a really good idea. Just kind of having pictures of really fresh, delicious looking food and fruit and vegetables around, uh, is probably a really nice way to, to get kids, you know, just to kind of further ingrain yes. that, that attitude. So that's, that's really great. And, uh, and wonderful. They what see what you value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. On that note, actually, um, it it seems that you know kids can get into this. Kids can it can become a source of pride for them. What about other people though? People who who are, you know, I mean, I, I've gotten I we haven't faced much of this ourselves, but I get questions all the time from people who want to know how do you deal with the criticism from other people in the community, um, particularly other parents uh, or relatives who you know who have been parents perhaps who see what you're doing with your kids and think that it's completely the opposite of healthy and think that what you're doing is irresponsible, not, not you in particular, but you know, the idea of feeding kids a plant-based diet, that that is irresponsible, um, and, and unhealthy. How do you deal with that sort of thing? Yeah, I think the best thing really that you can do, because I used to, um, interact all the time with people who, um, either became very defensive about it or, um, were, really wanting to get into a, an argument. Um, and I used to really push people more, um, and I would go into a store and see people with white bread in their shopping cart or animal foods, and I would tell them how wrong it was, how bad it was for their children, for them, for the environment. And I really created a lot of negativity and a lot of defensiveness and um, I think the best that we could do is to really set a good model. And that model of energy, because the healthier that we eat, um, we're going to feel good ourselves. And we're going to be a really good example. And we're going to have this very strong conviction that this is the way we want to raise our families. And our my children, uh, my son had very severe asthma as a baby. And he healed through going to this vegan lifestyle and eating mostly raw food. And uh, my kids were um, really 100% raw for about 10 years when they were growing up until they became teenagers. And then they felt an, a need to, to fit in. Um, but until that time, they were, they were vegan and they were high raw or, mo- you know, almost totally raw and people saw they they saw clearly that my son's endurance um was excellent um i I mean the other kids who he was um on these competitive teams with they were equally good athletes but the one thing that he had over them was his endurance Mm -hmm. um in the baseball games the coaches kept him in longer because he didn't tire easily, whereas a lot of the other kids had to sit out frequently. Um, so I saw that right away. Um, my kids' eyes, they were clear. They could think clearly. Um, they very rarely got sick. And when they get, did get sick, they knew exactly what to do so that they never remained ill. They never had a flu. Um and I think just these examples speak more clearly than getting into um, defending the way that we believe is the right way to eat. 
Um, I also, as the years have gone on, I've written my books. Um, and so I get the word out that way and I do talks and I have um, a five-week raw food program in New Jersey and I have a raw vegan certification course um, for people who want to be raw vegan coaches. So people know what I do um, and they learn how I've raised my kids through, I have a website called Super Healthy Children. And I think just by being out there um, and and speaking with people and, and explaining why we eat this way, um, certainly on my YouTube channel, Super Healthy Children. Um, so they get the information without me having to get into arguments or controversies with people who feel um, initially intimidated by it. Yeah, I love that. I think I mean- we can empower them to maybe start on their own path to add more. I mean, I think that's what you said about just be, the way the way to spread this message is to do it by example rather than you know cajoling or trying to trying to convert someone with with your words. I mean, I just think it's so much better. And I mean, it's not the only way to spread this message for sure, but I think it is the most underused one, and it's it's my favorite way as well. Um, yeah, for sure. So what what about for I mean, you know, I guess going uh, another level closer to the individual. How, how can parents convince themselves that this is the right choice for their kids? Because, I mean, I, I, as I've just been this way longer and longer, vegan, um, being vegetarian before that, you know, it just it has become more and more of, of to me, not, not a weird, not an extreme thing anymore. And I've surrounded myself with people and books and gotten to understand things. And I feel fairly confident that this is a totally healthy way to raise my kids. Um, however, that, that took me longer than it did to feel okay about doing this for myself because you know for myself it's like well if i screw up then it was my own fault and like i you know i did this willing to accept that risk at the time you know when i thought it might have been a risk because i didn't know a lot of information yet uh but kids are are another story and and like i just feel like the the bar for me is so much higher for for the choices i make for my kids than for myself i'm i'm willing to accept much less risk when it comes to my kids than than myself um you and I would probably both agree that that the real risk is is in not having your kids eat this way, but exactly. But for those who who you know just might want to believe that but can't yet, um, how, how can parents just feel more confident that they're doing the right thing? Like, are there are there other? Obviously, you've mentioned uh, creating healthy children, your book, and I mentioned it as well. And you've got your website and your YouTube. Are there other resources out there? Uh, you know, just just for parents who who are kind of looking to looking yes. for some some backup on this. Oh, there are so many wonderful resources. Um, first of all, I mean, there's books like um, the China Study, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the longest nutrition study ever done, where uh, T. Colin Campbell um, looked at blood work and, and urine samples of uh, for you know two two decades um, from people who were. Um, in rural areas and in cities and the cities, you know, the more wealthy people lived in the cities. And he found that, um, it was a lot of these people that were getting cancer and you'd go out to the rural areas where they couldn't afford meat and animal products and you didn't see the cancers anymore. So, um, I, I think that his book points out, you know, really clearly, um, the the difference between eating um, animal food. And I, I also think that, that parents need to understand just even when looking 
at the animal kingdom that the milk of the different species varies according to how fast the infant of that species grows. And the bovine calf grows four times faster than the human baby. And that's why cow milk is 20% protein and human mother's milk, which is appropriate for our human babies, is only five to 6% protein. And so this is really a true indication that cow milk is meant to grow a calf into a 1,000-pound animal. It's not meant for humans. Um, and so, you know, when I uh, give talks, I think that when parents hear that, they are quite astounded because they didn't realize the difference, um, that the protein is just way too high, that we would not want to give that to our children. And that's usually the question that I get is about the dairy. You know, people right. hold on to that need to have the dairy. And, and if you look at what's happening in, in our Western societies, you see that, you know, that all of the disease um, epidemics that are happening today, um, I never ever thought that cancer would be one in two men, one in three women. Um, you know, heart disease and, and strokes and, um, autism, um, because I work with children on the autism spectrum. I see this so clearly, um, in my state of New Jersey, autism is now one in 49 children. Hmm. And within that it's one in 29 boys. Wow. So, you know, the prediction is that by the year 2050, that 90% of U.S. children will have some form of autism. Wow. And so, you know, we need to look at what we're putting into our bodies, what we're being exposed to, um, the, the foods today, um, they're not healthy foods. Animal foods are not meant for for our bodies. Uh, most of the nutrition that we get is from plants and to get it through animals, um, you know, even something like B12, which is a frequent question, it's through the plants and the animals get it through the plants. Mm-hmm. All right. So on that note, very similar question. Um, also one that comes up a lot. How do you find a supportive doctor for your kids who's not going to just every time you come in say, well, they need more protein and you should be doing this. Right. Um, There are a lot of practitioners out there and they're not necessarily going to have to be a medical doctor. Medical doctors very often have one hour of nutrition in medical school. So they really don't understand what's the best food for your child to eat. So if you're listening to everything, then and, and let me just say that I know many medical doctors who even come to my classes um, have, there are many who have made changes and who are now understanding plant-based nutrition. And they're coming to plant diets themselves. They're recommending it for their patients. I get doctors who are recommending their patients to come to me. <laughs> so I'm seeing that more and more that um, that the vegan lifestyle is growing. And um, if we want to go to a practitioner, we need to find out people in our area who support vegan diets. 
And there's plenty these days. I mean, the vegan movement is growing so fast. Um, and so there are many, many practitioners out there. I was um, in October, I was just speaking at the London Veg Fest. We were expecting nine to 10,000 people. We ended up having 20,000. We had to turn away people. Huh. And so, you know, you can see how quickly the vegan movement is growing and doctors and um, naturopathic physicians and nutritions and dietitians. There's many, many, many of them who are now following a vegan diet. And so we need to find those people, and those are the people who will be able to give us the information that we need. Good. All right. So, what about back to back to the kids? Um, should we? I mean, this is, I guess, sort of an ethical question, but. Should we be choosing, should, should they choose this diet for themselves? Should that be our goal to ultimately get them to choose it? Uh, and, and in that process, probably allowing them to make make the other choice uh, sometimes and, and try things. Uh, or should we basically choose this for them and, and say, this is the way we're doing it. There aren't exceptions, you know, th- just in hopes that they will follow that and never rebel. Right. What I really recommend is that parents set this model that I talked about, that they set a really healthy vegan model for their kids and that they have a vegan home. Um, I have um, had my kids at a certain point want to try other foods and I told them that's okay Um, You don't need to tell me what you're eating outside of the house if you do eat something else. Um, But my home is a vegan home. Um, And I didn't really have much in the way of junk and processed food in my home. At a certain point when they became teenagers and they did want to experiment more, sometimes they brought things in. And, you know, even if I didn't agree with it, um, if it was vegan, sometimes I said okay. Mm -hmm. But when a child is young and they're growing their bodies, um, I really believe that we need to insist that that they eat healthfully because that's really what they're going to be learning. And, you know, when children are really young, parents are the center of their universe. And they don't know differently yet. Right. So we want to give them that foundation. So we want to raise them eating these healthy plant foods When they're older and they're out of the house more and they're exposed to a lot of different people, we will, um, there are a lot of things that we can do to encourage um, continuation of a healthy vegan lifestyle, such as sharing food at birthday parties, um, making a lot of your own vegan cakes and cupcakes and There's lots of delicious raw ones that are easy to make and share. And also having your kids involved with you at home, at the kitchen counter, um, when they're little, getting small appliances, such as I got my kids their own mini blender. The Magic Bullet is a travel blender, which is really small and great for kids. Um, And as they got bigger, they would... um, have my equipment, but initially I got them smaller equipment that they could use as children. And they made their own menus, which I helped them with. 
And so as they were creating their menus and preparing their own food, my husband and I became their customers. And they paid us in play money initially. And over the years, it developed into real money. And I was fine. I felt that it was very worth it to pay my kids to prepare most of my food for me. <laughs> and so I really recommend that to, to families, that get your kids involved and have them create their own health food restaurant in your home. Because if they are preparing the food, they will love it even more. So that's a great way to keep them involved and really with it. Also, anywhere that we traveled, if we went on a vacation to another country, if we visited our family somewhere, we would look up the healthy plant foods in those locations. We would take um, a book with us on fruits and vegetables around the world. And that's also a great way to keep kids in, into that. We would do like a scavenger hunt for the food in different places. And just also pointing out all of the beautiful large animals out there who are plant eaters. They're all beautiful muscular animals and they're vegetarians. Mm -hmm. The elephant, the rhino, the camel, the horse, the cow. I mean, these are all plant eaters. And so they're big and they're strong and they're getting enough protein and, um, and we can be healthy too. And so I think just, you know, um, being out there and feeling confident and if your kids go to a party and they eat something that you don't agree with, take a deep breath and let it go. And your child might ask you about it and it sometimes ends up being good conversation material and just sometimes you just have to let go of it. There were times when I really stressed out over it because it was, you know, we were pioneers, and, and my kids were really the only ones who were eating the way they were. And it was sometimes difficult when they were older, not when they were younger. They loved being raised as vegans. But when they got to the adolescent and teenage years, it became more difficult because they perceived the need to fit in. And I should have been more relaxed about it initially. It took me a while to really understand that my relationship with them was more important and they weren't going to come back to this lifestyle if I didn't have a good relationship with them. Hmm. I think that's such a good point. I'm really glad to hear you say that at the end. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Aloha. The holidays are approaching fast. Keep them outpaced with 18 energizing, muscle-building grams of plant-based protein. Aloha Protein Powder is filled with the very best whole food ingredients like organic peas, hemp, and pumpkin seeds that keep you going all season long. And they're not just nutritious, Doug, they're delicious, with creamy chocolate and vanilla blends. For an extra boost of whole food, whole body, happy, healthy holiday energy, add Aloha Daily Good Greens to the mix. Just choose one of three delicious blends, chocolate, berry, or original, and pour into your favorite water, juice, smoothie, or dressing. You'll get a full serving of fruit and veggie goodness and a huge burst of energy. It's the gift that keeps on giving, Doug. Visit Aloha.com and enter promo code ALOHA20 to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through December 31st, 2015. And this episode is also brought to you by Thrive Market. We all know that healthy eating is part of becoming a better person. So if you're anything like me, you care a lot about the food that you put in your body. The problem is that good food can be extremely expensive, but it doesn't have to be. ThriveMarket.com is the Costco meets Whole Foods online. 
It's an online shopping club offering the best brands and groceries up to 50% off retail prices, shipped nationally for free. You can easily filter by your preferences, gluten-free, vegan, raw, non-GMO, organic, even fair trade. They even have the best non-toxic household, beauty, pet, and baby products on the market. I just ordered a pack of vegan beef jerky, and I am super pumped to try it out. But what I love about Thrive Market the most is their charitable mission. For every paid membership, Thrive Market donates a free membership to a low-income family, teacher, student, or veteran. It's truly a great cause. To start saving now, go to thrivemarket.com slash athlete to start your free 30-day trial and get 20% off your first order. Okay, so um, Karen, this has been good. I don't have too much more. I mean... I guess let's quickly touch on just some of the other lifestyle stuff. You mentioned at the beginning of this that, that it's not just food. There's more. Um, and you've, you've also briefly mentioned during this call the idea of exercise and what I especially like, this just the positive attitude and, and being uh, having a positive outlook on things and optimistic. I think that's that's a really, really valuable thing, especially these days when, when so much of, of what comes in is, is not positive in terms of the news and every other message that we seem to get from media. Um, so what else is it really quickly? And then I've got one more for you before we wrap it up. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned how important exercise is. Um, I've seen so many people even, you know, come to a raw food diet and don't do well because, like, they think they don't have to exercise. <laughs> or, or they think, oh, I'm I'm raw. I don't need to sleep anymore. <laughs> you know, I can get four hours that. of sleep now yep. because yep. they read that somewhere. Like, that is just not true. <laughs> You know, you still need your sleep. If if I um, I remember there was a point when I was writing, creating healthy children, and I was up all night um, for nights on end, and I wasn't doing myself a service. Um, here I was writing about health, and I wasn't getting sleep. And so, I you know I just want to say that it's it's crucial what you eat. I do believe it's way on the top there, but equally important are getting exercise, um, getting your sleep, um, trying as much as possible to have a low-stress lifestyle. This can be complicated in our high-pressure society, but, um, but there's ways to do it. You know, there, there's, um, you know, relaxing with your family, getting out into nature is, is so important. I mean, for me, that's like meditation, um, and certainly meditation plays a key role. If you can even meditate for 15 minutes a day, you will have a more relaxing, calm day. You will be able to take um, a look at things from the outside instead of being reactive. I, I really believe meditation is so key for that. You know, I've been surprised that, that my son, who was five, and this is even when he was four, he was interested in meditation. He asked me one day if he could meditate with me when I did it. And, wow. Uh, yeah, he didn't do terribly well, but you know, every thirty seconds he was asking questions, and which is cool that he was that curious. But that's okay. I mean, that's oh, I know, I was, I was thrilled. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I mean, my son, who's twenty five, he meditates every morning, and and often it's me joining him. <laughs> so um, he definitely picked up this from the way that I believe in health, and even when I'm not doing it, he will. Uh, he will initiate. And so I, I just love that, um, that, you know, kids really do pick this up from their parents. So, you know, it's our model, even if we um, later on aren't doing some of this, our kids, because we have given them this base of knowledge, they will bring us back to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, so I think that all of those things are key. And certainly getting outside, um, you know, there's nothing that can replace being outdoors and getting oxygen. Um, and as much as possible, getting exercise outside. Um, and, and certainly vitamin D from the sunshine is, is a better way to do it. In the wintertime, I try to go to a warm, sunny place to restore my vitamin D levels. Hmm. And um, so I, I just think it's all, you know, a piece of that health picture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, last question for you. Your book is called Creating Healthy Children Through Attachment Parenting and Raw Foods. And the question I wanted to know the answer to is what is attachment parenting? Because I have never heard of that before. Oh, wow. Okay. So attachment parenting, and I'm sure you've done a lot of it without really knowing <laughs> the term, um, is really focusing on the needs of the child, um, instead of the child always having to focus on the needs of the adult. Hmm. And so, you know, one of, uh, there's many attachment parenting principles. Um, these are the aspects of a healthy lifestyle that contribute to a child's mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being, such as when a mother nurses her babies, instead of giving formula, I mean, Mother's milk is meant for human babies. So the longer that we can nurse our children, the healthier it's going to be for them. Um, Also, skin-to-skin contact, holding the baby, especially after the baby is born, holding the baby against the mother's skin for the first hours, days, and even weeks after birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes a lot of sense Because through holding the child against the skin, the child feels right in the world. It decreases oxytocin, sorry, it it decreases (laughs) cortisol, Uh the stress hormone, and it increases oxytocin, the love hormone. And this makes tremendous sense. And we can do it with our children at any age, just by being present through touch, through hugging, through loving, through eye contact, sitting at a child's level and playing with them, and being present. So this is all attachment to our children, letting them know that we are totally there for them. Okay. And okay. Uh, so that's a, a big part of, of raising healthy children as well. That's the other one of the other aspects of uh, creating a healthy lifestyle for our families and for our child's future. Interesting. So yeah, that's you're right. You're right. That is things that we tend to do. I had never known that it was called attachment parenting, but uh, I'm glad to to know that. And actually, that it's funny the skin to skin thing. Uh, when we had our son, which was five years ago, we they didn't tell us anything about that. This was we, when we lived in Maryland, kind of in in the suburbs of Baltimore, and we didn't. They, no one told us that advice in the hospital. And then we moved to Asheville in between then and when we had our our daughter, Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, which is a much more progressive kind of place. And yeah. that was like a super high priority in, you know, even in the big hospital here uh, that we would do skin to skin. So we did plenty of that with my daughter. So in about 20 years, we'll be able to see uh, which one which one turns out normal, and which one is crazy. <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll know if it's, if it's legitimate. I also think it really matters what parents do consistently as yeah, their course. children grow and, um, you know, even being present for them. I mean, there's things that, that I, even though I wrote that book, there's things that I, I didn't do earlier on that I learned about later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that healing can occur at any age. And um, certainly love and respect are two things that our children deserve. And we can 
give it to them at age 15 as well. Good, so, good, good. Um, parents who have come to my classes, I always tell them to understand that they don't need to be upset that they missed a certain period, that they can still provide plenty of love and healing and, um, and self-worth for their children at any age. Sure. And the same, of course, goes for foods. I mean, if you're listening to this and you, you, your child is 10 or 15 and they haven't been eating healthy for that long, you know, it doesn't mean it's too late to start. Now is better than never, for sure. I totally agree. All right, Karen. Well, thank you very much for joining me. This has been fun. Definitely a different episode for us as far as content goes, but I think people will appreciate it. I know for me it's been interesting and, uh, and fun to do something a little bit different. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, again, you so your website, much, it's superhealthychildren.com. That's the best place to find your stuff online, right? Yes, yeah, superhealthychildren.com. Okay. Um, I have my new course at superhealthyraw.com. Okay. Um, and my YouTube channel is Super Healthy Children. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. Have All a right. great day. You too.